Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane. Drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730 on thehive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my good friend and great journalist, Justin Thomas from ESPN 730. He covers the team for ESPN 730. Justin I don't know how many people are listening to this live show. There's a little bit of a huge sporting event going on right now. We may be uh, maybe talking to ourselves, but that's okay. Hey, it's it's all right because why do we have this show? If I'm not mistaken, I believe it's dedicated to the hardcore fan. So that's Hornet right. supporters, they understand the <laughs> the significance of tonight's game. So I think the listeners. Um, that will be listening. They'll they'll definitely be excited of what we have to say today. Yeah, I, I mean, coming up, we've got a, a great show. Uh, Hornets got back in, into the win column last night, but it wasn't thanks to the bench. We'll discuss what has kept Bench Force One grounded. Plus, which Hornets player would you give the title Mister Consistent to? And we're looking ahead. What's next for the Hornets as they make a final push for better playoff seating? I guess that that read is basically assuming that they make the playoffs. So there you go. That's where the Hornets are at this point in time. You can listen to us live every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. We also have Chris Barnwall from At The Hive coming up a little later. With that, let's swarm Charlotte's. Well, we talked about this on the Hive O'Clock Alarm, but I want to get your thoughts, Justin. The Hornets got back into the win column. An important win, not because of who they played, but because of the situation. You wanted to see if the Hornets could bounce back, and they certainly did. They get the win over the Orlando Magic in Charlotte, 107-99. They started off a little slow, Justin, but they had really an amazing second quarter in terms of shooting the basketball. Nick Batum and uh, Marvin Williams, both big in this game, 26 points apiece. Marvin Williams, 21 shots. That's pretty aggressive there by Marvin, who's definitely feeling confident. Poor shooting and defense in the fourth quarter, though, kept this game a little more interesting than I think most fans would have wanted coming into this back-to-back game tonight with Miami. But look, Orlando, we said this on the Hive O'Clock Alarm, Justin, Orlando can score the basketball. They know how to do it. So holding a team like that to to 99 points, no small feat. It wasn't. It, was it the prettiest? No. But I don't think anybody cares about how pretty these win comes um, You know, at this crucial point in time of the season. And I liked it. 
specifically the second quarter because Nick, I've been watching Nick and I've been waiting to see because everybody always has to, is he a Max guy and blah, blah, blah. I don't even think we need to have that conversation. But I was wanting him to, I wanted him to see. What do you think? I mean, I don't want to have the conversation, but I'd like to. Get, um, I'd like to know your opinion as it stands today. Today, you have to offer him the max deal. There you go. We'll talk. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about why to. later. But and he hadn't been on. shooting the ball extremely well. Um, True. He's and even. But he after, also hasn't been as aggressive. I think he's been deferring a little bit. And what I've I've noticed probably the past two weeks or so, usually shoot around or practice. He's usually the last one to leave, and he's always getting up extra shots. And I said, okay, well, that's a guy that knows. He's going to have to start shooting the ball better. In the second quarter, him and Marvin, I don't even need to talk about Marvin. Marvin's been playing so well. And and Nick just got aggressive. I mean, he was making plays. He was shooting. He was confident. And that was great. I knew the Magic was going to make a run. You know, everybody knows the cliche. Basketball is a game of runs. So you knew that was going to happen. But what I wanted to see was when it got tight, were they able to hang on and secure the win? And my, uh, I about to say Miami. Orlando, they made it really interesting. But in the end... Charlotte was able to hang on. They got the dub, and they took care of the home stretch. Yeah, well, they they finally found the shooting touch in the fourth quarter. Orlando did, uh, certainly led by uh, Hazonia and, and Oladipo, who seems to always play well against Charlotte, got to the basket. Nicholson got into a bit of a rhythm. So you knew that was coming from a team like the Magic that, again, despite the struggles that they've had this season and despite the players that they've been missing can score the basketball and, and luckily, the starters got back in there and were able to do just enough at, at the end of the – especially Marvin with that really key offensive rebound. I mean, this guy, is, he's just max effort all the time. Marvin Williams getting the offensive rebound. I believe he added four offensive rebounds, nine rebounds total for Marvin Williams, who is absolutely without question having uh, the, the, the best year of his career. He leads the team – in a stat that we talked about on the Hive O'Clock Alarm, real plus minus, meaning this real plus minus stat measures uh, the total contributions that a player makes and his value over over a replacement player. And, you know, he's, he's certainly showing his value uh, these past few games. Man, I, I don't know if there's enough you can you can say about this guy. He shows up every what day. Were the, what, well, what were they saying after the game? What, what you were in the you obviously covered I mean, the game. What, what what was the word after that win? Were they disappointed because the the magic made a run, or did they think, look, well, you know, we're in a groove right now, and we can we can beat this team, and we did. Right now, I see there's more of like I would say like a tunnel vision focus. Mm. So say they win a bl- they win in blowout fashion, they win tight, or they lose close. You could. You almost can't tell, um, and everybody is is on the same note. Was it pretty? No. They'll note, you know, we did this well. Ah, oh, we could shore this up. But what matters is we won, and we're going to keep four. And I, I, you can almost, well, not almost. So you can see it's a direct reflection from Clifford. Because now, if you notice, when you listen to Clifford talk, Clifford will tell you it wasn't the prettiest. Um, I like what we did. Um, we could we could show up on the turnovers here and there. We can do things like that. But he says, you know, right now, I don't care how we win as long as we're winning. Now, granted, you know he wants the team to play defense, low turnovers, get back in de- uh, transition defense, all of those things. But you can just see it. It's like we want to make the playoffs. We want to win. We don't care how it comes. And it's one game at a time. And when you go in the locker room, you know, you, you, the most you're going to get, the most I think I've gotten from this past two weeks is – um. 
Nick and Marvin said it. You know, we we pay attention to the to the standings. We we know where we are. We know what's in striking distance, but that's the most you're going to get. Outside of that, they're going to tell you it's one game at a time. We won. We lost. We got to get better. We're going to go in tomorrow. We're going to watch the film, and we're going to try to get better and keep going. Tunnel vision focus. I, I like those three words to describe what's going on right now in Charlotte because you, you listen to them after the game, you watch them during the game, and you can tell other than that frustration that that happened uh, because of some officiating, that was the rare instance where you saw the team lose a little bit of that focus and composure, but they they haven't gotten too high on the highs or too low on the lows. And I think that's not only a reflection of Clifford, but just the whole organization seems very even keel. And, you know, I think the concern with that is can can they find the fire? Can they find the desperation when they absolutely need it, whether it be at the end of this season as we approach the final 15 games or in the playoffs. But the advantage to that is that you don't completely fall apart in a fourth quarter like the Orlando Magic, You're, you're like in that game. You're, you're able to sort of get yourself out of a tailspin. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that you know early in the season, we saw Clifford hot about a few things. And, and that's because that part of the season is about learning and changing. I think once you get to a certain point in the season and and you've written your story, and I think the Hornets have written their story now, it's it's really about the the guys going out and taking the lessons they learned from the off season and the beginning of the season and executing it. Because there's really no practice time, there's not enough practice time to really make any wholesale change or or fix a huge problem. It's about the guys coming together and again not panicking and doing the things necessary to to execute out on the court. So I I think that's a great Great point. Um, but one area where the Hornets are definitely struggling, and it's so strange, Justin, that the the bench, the second unit, is what uh, we point to when we talk about the, the struggles going on right now in Charlotte because that was their source of strength early in the season when the starters were trying to gel and figure out how to play with one another and dealing with injuries. It was the second unit. It was Jeremy Lin. It was Jeremy Lamb really bringing these guys uh, through games, and you could point to the bench as being like that's that's the reason they won that game. And now we're seeing you know three of twelve nights from Al Jefferson. Lynn continues to struggle from beyond the arc. Lamb has been replaced by Troy Daniels, who looked a little shaky in that Orlando game. Uh, what's before we uh, Chris is on the line, he's standing by. But before we get to him, just your quick thoughts on on what's going on with the bench. Do you even think they're struggling? Am I wrong for um, saying no. that they're struggling? Um, but what I like, um, I can say from Lynn and Jefferson, they're both continuing to compete. They're, they're definitely really trying. And I think this is a little bit different for Troy now. Troy's not playing, you know, this isn't the first 30 games of the season. You know, now when he's when he's in the game, he's expected to play and shoot. And last night, you could see him. He wasn't playing basketball. When he was out there, you could see he was thinking, and he didn't shoot well at all. And, and Jeremy Lamb, you know, we're definitely going to talk about that. But there definitely been some struggles. They're going to have to get that together. All right, let's go out to the phone lines, uh, the Hive Talk Live hotline, where we have writer for at thehive.com, Chris Barnwall. Chris, how are you doing this evening, sir? Oh, Chris, I don't know if you can hear us. It looks like we're having... Yeah, it looks Uh-oh. like we're having a little trouble with the phone line this evening. Give it one more shot, Chris. 
All right, we'll we'll try to we'll try to get Chris back on. So, uh, can this... we have a pause right now? You know, this is what DJ Khaled was talking about. What? What was I? You know, I'm they sorry. say they you, don't want the us D- to win. You are the DJ Khaled expert. I'm they not. say they don't want us to win. They don't want us to talk Hornets basketball right now. And when you ask who they is, I don't know. It's just they, the external forces, and that's what that was. But we're we're gonna figure this out. Yeah, we'll we'll try to get Chris back on if we can again. We'll we'll try to talk to him this weekend or or possibly on Tuesday. Let's talk, let's go back to this uh, bench talk. I, I did pull some stats. I know I know your feelings on numbers, but I did a little <laughs> I did a little bit of a of a stat dive here and shoot him. Are you ready? I'm ready. All, All right. Yours. So the bench unit I, I split it up like this. First of all, I wanted to take a look at Daniels versus Lamb. And I wanted to take a look at how the bench unit plays when all four guys are on the court, the four bench unit players. So Jefferson, Lynn, uh, you know, Lamb slash Daniels, and uh, who am I forgetting? Kaminsky. So they <laughs> they each play with two different starters, mainly Kimba and Batum. And Kimba in the first quarter and fourth quarter, which has been uh, a little bit of a recent increase in the amount that the bench plays with Kimba and I think versus Nick Batum and I think that bears out the numbers because for some reason over the past two months I I limited it to February and March when the Hornets have played so well 15 and 4 during that stretch very good basketball but when I look at the per 36 numbers between how the bench does with Kimba versus Batum when I look at Daniels just these past three games the the points per 36 when the bench unit plays with Kimba, 98 points per 36 minutes. When they play with Batum, 58 points per 36 minutes. When I go to look at Lamb's numbers, when they play with Kimba, 83 points per 36 minutes. When they play with Batum, it, that dips down to 67 points per 36 minutes. In relative, I mean, relative number, you know, obviously it's correcting for minutes there. Uh, but the shooting percentages, the three-point percentages, all take a dip when the bench unit as a whole plays with Batum versus Kemba. I don't really know why, but you know, Batum is is a great distributor, and I think that's why you plug him into that spot. But it seems like the, the scoring struggles for the bench have really only been alleviated when when Kemba is on the floor. And so, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I think defensively they've played okay, but I mean, do you think if there's one guy you look at on the bench and say, okay, that guy probably deserves more credit for the bench struggles than anyone, is there one guy you can point to, or is this a. I, I think it's possibly a little of both. Because I like, I think that the safest of probably all the bench players has been Kaminsky. Um, Al, some nights he has it, sometimes he doesn't. Al just doesn't really have great lift. Um, but he's definitely trying. Lynn, Lynn always goes out there and gives you maximum effort. Lynn's problem is he just gets sped up too often. And I can say for Daniels and Lamb, Lamb can do more off the dribble. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've noticed when Lamb was playing really well, he was playing a lot with Kimba because those were times when people were asking why isn't Lamb um, paired with Kimba more than Lynn being paired with Kimba because they were playing so well together. And I think one, I feel like you 
feel slightly a little bit more engaged with Kimba because Kimba, you know, he gets to the lane. He's a little craftier to whether Batum, because it kind of slows down a little bit when Batum is out there at the bench. It's, it's a lot more smoother. He's still a really good passer, but it's a lot slower. And when Kimba's out there, you know, he's going to try to get in the lane. They're going to make a couple of swing passes. And, and it's a little bit more active. So I, I feel like guys are just slightly more engaged because I think Kimba alleviates a little bit more. Um, because when Batum's out there, you're going to have to do a little bit more. Kimba kind of helps you out a lot more, and I just think that's what it is. Um, but also, um, one of Lamb's struggles outside of just not shooting well is he wasn't playing good defense. And, yeah, he was. He was one of the guys. And, and we talked about that on that West Coast trip. That you were like, my yo, my man, you can't just like constantly get lost. And and I think that has something to do with it. But last night, I, I thought it showed um, when. I like Troy Daniels. He can shoot, but this is a this is a critical time. I, like guys right now are really getting after it. And last night you kind of saw. I don't. I don't necessarily want to say um, the moment is a lot bigger, but you could see he's hesitant to yeah, shoot. Yeah, you can when he gets the ball because I remember he would say when we uh, when I talked to him he would say you know, um, coach would would talk to him and shoot around and say hey, um, I might give you some run tonight you know so be ready to play. And then that first time you go out you're excited you play and then you come back down you're like okay. I need to do this consistently. People are actually counting on me because if I'm not playing well, there are people that were texting me last night. Why isn't Jeremy Lamb in the game? And and when you when you watched when you watched Daniels, it wasn't that he just wasn't making shots because you can live with a guy not making shots. But when you see him thinking, like when you're a shooter and you kind of catch it when you should shoot it and you hesitate and you might put it on the ground and you can say, okay, he's thinking not playing basketball. Um, so we're gonna see. I think if tonight. I think you're going to stay with Daniels. I don't think you just ruin his confidence just because he didn't have a great shooting game. But if he comes out tonight and it's more of the same rather just missing shots, I think Lamb will, will be back. Well, and I think you have to take these numbers into account where you look at when Troy Daniels plays with the bench, they're still markedly better than when Lamb played with the bench. And it's a small sample size for sure, but that's what Clifford's Clifford's dealing with a small sample size. And, you know, uh, rebounding is better when Daniels is on the floor with Kemba or Batum and the rest of the bench. And, you know, and these are crit- and the reason I look at these um, these particular lineups are because they are critical times. It's coming out of the fourth quarter. It's uh, going into the second quarter, coming out of the second quarter. I mean, these are are critical moments, critical stretches for the bench unit. Yeah, I think I think there's so many factors. I think you have Frank Kaminsky hitting maybe a bit of a rookie wall. I think you have Jeremy Lin going through an extended. He, you know, he's obviously tried to change his shooting form, and that has. I, th- I think you have to point to that as as the one of the reasons that his shooting is off. And the problem with that is Lin, Lin early on was such a dynamic scorer that he drew so much attention. And now he's not drawing that same amount of attention by the day. I saw it against Orlando. He's not drawing the same amount of attention. They let him shoot a few times. Yeah. Wide open. Right. And so that collapses. And you got to understand who he's playing with now. Early in the season, he wasn't playing with Jefferson. Now he's playing with Jefferson. Now the defense doesn't have to pay as much attention to Lynn. They collapse down onto Jefferson. Jefferson gets double teamed several times and they can't that's the problem when Jefferson is out there with the rest of the bench unit teams can double team Jefferson and and Jefferson can't make them pay mm. because Kaminsky's missing because Lynn is missing because Daniels is hesitating and and honestly 
you know, that may be why the, the bench unit numbers look better with Kemba because Kemba, one guy that can that can really make them pay, and he's aggressive. You know, he's going to get his looks out there. But yeah, you hope things turn around for Jefferson and the. Re- but I think things turn around for Jefferson. You stop seeing those three of twelve numbers when guys start hitting open shots mm-hmm. and when you extend the because you look on the flip side and the starters that's what's happening with the starting unit is that i mean they're spreading guys out there's no end to the spread with the with the the no first way. unit offense and, and and they're firing on all cylinders right now and thank goodness i mean that's what's kept this hornets team afloat so far and i, I can't want, say one thing about the bench i, I think it's well i guess you would hope that it comes around but one thing i can't say about their locker room it's, I mean, it's a really good vibe. Um, guys thoroughly um, enjoy each other. But I remember, oh, what was the game? It was a Cleveland game. Wasn't it the Cleveland game they should have won in Charlotte? There was a really, I think it was Cleveland or, my no, Miami. They let the Miami game go. That was because yeah. they still had Kid Gilchrist. And I remember Marvin really took that loss hard. Like, he just sat at his locker, towel over his head. I mean, he took it hard. And I remember Kid Gilchrist going over there. Um, and he was like, you know, hey man, just it's gonna be all right. It's, it's one game, you know. We know what you can do, and and we we didn't come together as a team, but you know we're gonna be all right. And just from seeing that moment, you can see that guys, when when somebody has a has a rough game, they're there to say, hey, it's all right. Um, you know, it happens. We're hey, gonna boo. have good games. Hey boo, and you know it's we okay. got we, we got to get it right. And I think the good camaraderie about this team is that. So granted, the guys have been struggling, and one thing that helps your confidence is seeing the ball go through the net, but just knowing you have that support around you, I find they're just going to keep plugging away. Because Lynn's shot had been falling, but he's definitely still taking it. Yep. You know, he hasn't shied away from it, and eventually they're going to fall. Um, but I, I'll say this, Troy Daniels, um, he's going to have to play well tonight, because he can, he can shoot. I don't think there's no question about his shooting, but when you think, you're not the same shooter. So tonight, I'm I'm. I'm excited. I think this is this is um this is a really important game because we can look at this this stretch, the home stretch, and they beat some, Charlotte at Miami. You know, and they beat some teams. You say, okay, they should be able to beat them, but two of the next three, you know, Miami, Denver's no pushover, and San Antonio. I think it starts tonight. You, you got to get down there. Yeah, looking Lock yeah, in. looking ahead at the rest of the schedule, you know, after tonight's game against the Miami Heat, the Hornets come back home for a two-game slate that welcomes the Denver Nuggets and San Antonio Spurs into Charlotte. After that, Justin, nine of the remaining 12 games will be on the road, including four-game and three-game stretches. But when you look at the schedule, do you does it seem inviting to the Hornets getting a higher seed? Because, again, you look at the standings, and they're right there. I mean, all four of the teams, Heat, Hawks, Boston and the Hornets locked together. Man, I think I've said the same thing for weeks about how confident they are. And Clifford said last night, somebody asked him about, you know, we got to go on the road. Well, actually, he said they had to go on the road. And he said, you know, um, our last 12 games, we're 8-4 on the road. So he's saying, hey, I I know we can win on the road. And the games are there. I mean, two games against Brooklyn, two games against the Sixers. They play at Milwaukee. And Milwaukee's giving giving them trouble, but they, they won the last contest with Milwaukee. Uh, they're at Toronto. That'll be a t- the at Cleveland at Toronto will certainly be there. I think that's that's the test. You know, Miami's the 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 first test, but you know, Cleveland Toronto is the final exam before the playoffs. Certainly want to win those games, and then you look at April eleventh yeah, at Boston, second to the last game. That could be. I mean, we're talking about playoff scenarios 
oh, yeah. happening. It's, it's going to get game. good, man. I think it's going to be great just for us to talk about because it's it's a crucial time. Like, you know, you got to earn it. Like, we've talked about the Hornets being a good basketball team, and there's no better way of making people believe you're a basketball team than going out and winning on the road. And you can be confident and beat up on teams you know you should beat up on. But when it comes to the big dogs and the teams, you, you know, that's who you're competing with. Those are the games that are really important um, psychologically. And, and it starts tonight because they know they can beat Miami, but you got to go out and do it. Um, so, you know, they, they can't fall asleep tonight. Whether they get up a big lead or they get down, they, they can't fall asleep. They have to stay true to what they know. And they've never been a team that I would say gives up. So that's never been anything that I'd have to question. But um, tonight they know because um, I, I feel like Dwayne Wade's going to bring it. Um, Joe Johnson, I'm not too overly concerned about Joe Johnson, but Joe Johnson is always a really good player. Uh, he's played great. Seven, I think he's averaging up above 17 points a game, three rebounds, three assists for the Miami Heat since they acquired him. And so he's we remember he's, what Whiteside did last time. You know he was 10, nuts. 10, 10, triple double. He was nuts. So, but 10, the Hornets went right at. I think they've learned their lesson. Yeah, they went I don't right think, at him. <laughs> I don't want to you know speculate, but I think that that the Hornets will keep him from ten blocks. I think I I, I can say the two. He's I averaging four a game off the bench. So if they can just stick to, I think four is enough. Okay, four is enough, Hassan. I say if you can get. If Nick Batum can can give you a relative performance like he did the other night, I think they have a strong chance of winning. I mean, I think I'm excited. Like when I get home, someone asked on Twitter, it's gonna be big. Yeah, someone asked on Twitter. They're wondering uh, if we think this is the biggest game for the Hornets since the 1990s. Uh, I I can't go that far just yet because there's still a lot of games that they're gonna play that's meaningful. But is it a big game? Definitely a big game. Definitely a big game. Yeah, I th- I think. Too much basketball left. There's a lot of there's 15 games left. I think that's true, but you know, you, certainly if they lose this game, then all of a sudden, well, Uh-oh. first of all, it sets them back because you know it sets Miami apart and, and really locks them in uh, on the road to their third seed. So that would hurt. But then you lose the tiebreaker with everyone in front of you, and all of a sudden, the sixth seed looks like your you know, new home, and then that means you might have to replay Miami four games and, and and they'll have confidence and tape on you. I don't know. It just – I think it, this is a huge game. I don't know if it's the biggest game since the 1990s, uh, but certainly the Bobcats didn't play a lot of meaningful regular they season games. So. That was a good question, though, by the way. No, it was a great question. I think it's it's got to be, you know, top five, top three maybe. It's in there. So uh, I have a question for you, Justin. When did the Hornets last play a road game? been a while march 2nd a 20 point drubbing of the philadelphia 76ers in philly and the hornets uh they're not the only team Kimba pl- went for 30 that night he listen he well went for plus 30 that night he know, was balling he's been for, he's been going for 30 a lot of nights these days the hornets aren't the only team playing well at home the heat have won their last four home games that's a season high for miami they're getting strong performances not only for from joe johnson but also a couple of other newbies, Justice Winslow, Justice Winslow. I keep calling him Justice. I can't get over it. Second round rookie Josh Richardson from uh, our producer's alma mater, the University of Tennessee, go Vols. 
Uh, Josh Richardson, he kind of came out of nowhere, but he's shooting, what, up above 60% from beyond the arc? Dwayne Wade. I don't know where it came from. Well, I don't know, but he's 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 confident. He's playing good know. defense. And, and, you know, they keep drafting these uh, defensive specialists. That's what I'm interested to see, <clears throat> excuse me, in this game is how Charlotte matches up against a team that really prides itself on defense because we saw the first quarter collapse against Atlanta. We've seen them uh, not deal with pressure from Boston very well. And so, you know, of the three teams that they're looking up at, you have to play well against one of these teams that, that decides to try to key in on your guard. So, you know, what happens if Kimba and Batum can't get a good open look? And, and Orlando was able to do that to them to a certain extent. They were able to chase Kimba early on off of the three-point line so then you got to look at Batum or or possibly Marvin as well. So that that'll be what I'm watching. How can Charlotte respond to a really tough defensive effort? They say can they win a game when they don't score 100 points? That's the question. You have to be able to win in a variety of ways, and it's gonna be another one. Um, they've won when Kimba scored 30. They've won when he scored 16, and they've won games where it looked like they were going to let him slip away. So. You know, but you know what? I think a guy who can be really important tonight, Courtney Lee. Okay. I don't think he necessarily needs to score too many points, but I think he definitely needs to keep. Excuse me, not think. He has to keep Dwayne Wade in check. I think if he can keep mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade twelve to like sixteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. I think that's good because Dwayne Wade likes to get in the lane. He likes to create fouls. He does a lot of negative things for defenses. So I think if Courtney Lee can contain him, you know, hit his shots when they come about, play clean basketball that Clifford like to say, smart, you know, in position, no fouling, I think they'll definitely have a chance. And I, I'm, I'm just excited. I am. I, it's, it's almost here, too. Yeah, I, yeah, we're, what, half an hour from tip. We'll, we'll end this show a little early here in a few minutes. But uh, just a few more things on this Miami team it's two teams that bring their best uh, offensive post players off the bench. So Miami bringing Hassan Whiteside off the bench where he's averaging a double-double. Uh, the Hornets bringing Al Jefferson off the bench. He's not necessarily averaging a double-double, but uh, when he is locked in, he's a, a great offensive player. Also, I found this fun fact for you Hornets fans. Hassan Whiteside, Justin, he shoots his uh, free throws jump shot style now. Did you know that? Yeah, he he changed it. He's now shooting them with a little. He take I think he takes one dribble and then does a a, a little short jump shot, yeah. and it's it's improved his free throw percentage to eighty one percent since he started the new technique. It was hovering around fifty percent when he was trying to shoot it flat footed, and you haven't seen teams go into any kind of hack a mode because he's been able to knock down free throws. You know, Mike and Mike talked about this last week. They're like, who are, the, who is Dosaki's going to um, replace? Well, who are they going to put in as the uh, most interesting man in the world? Hassan Whiteside is definitely trying to throw his hat in there. I didn't even know he was doing this. Like, I'm kind of, I'm even more excited to actually witness this. I haven't seen anybody jump at the free throw line since probably ever. Yeah, that's what to watch for Hornets fans. Watch this, unique, and it, it's reminiscent of uh, Shaq when he was trying to do all of these different Poor things Shaq. to fix his free throw. But the one thing he wouldn't do is, well, he wouldn't jump shoot it apparently, but 
He also did not want to do the granny shot. I, believe, no. I think Rick Barry was trying to get him to do the granny shot. His hands were just too big. Like, they were massive. Like, Shaq, he, Free throws he and dialing on a cell phone. Two things that I'm sure Shaq continues nah, to struggle with. Oh, um, and then with like touch? Like, oh, That's no. what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, it's, he's, it's, it's, it must be, his text must be <laughs> indiscernible. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he has all types of autocorrect. But I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting. He. Uh, Hassan has reacted very well to being benched, and that's such a negative way to put like being benched. He's really playing a vital bench role for the Miami Heat, but he's reacted well. He's matured in that sense. He hasn't been drawing those silly technicals. He hasn't been getting ejected, and he has decided, hey, there's this part of my game that I'm not very good at that's really hurting the team and allowing other teams to take advantage of us. I'm going to do anything, even if it makes me look ridiculous, even if I have to do it a little differently, I'm going to do something about this, and he went and improved it. So I think it, honestly, it shines, a, even though it is odd, I think it shines a light on Hassan and says, like, hey, other teams, I think Miami might have to work a little harder to, oh, to yeah. keep him. He, he's understanding how much money is going to be on the yeah, table. Yeah, maybe that finally hit. Oh, yeah. When somebody just dropped a stack of money and said, this is what you're about to lose if you don't get it oh, yeah, together. Because let me tell you, guys love to say we don't watch sports anymore or we don't read the tweets or the headline news. That's a bullface lie. He was very aware. I'm sure his agent said, hey, Hassan, you got to quit. Face That's a bullface lie. He said, you, you got to be smarter, baby. If you're trying to get paid... You got to understand, you got to show a little growth, a little maturity. And now he's realized, okay, if I play well, don't cut up. It's not even play. I think he, the thing about Hassan is that he naturally, he steps onto a basketball court and he's going to play well. He's a problem. Yeah, he's a problem. And and it's just, the one thing I don't know if he's improved yet, though, and and it, it will be interesting to watch tonight, is he still hunts for blocks. Oh yeah, and 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 the Hornets were victims of that in the last game. And you 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 have to bet that they've watched the tape, they know what they did. Clifford knows what they did, and they're going to make an adjustment and try to either pull Hassan out of the lane or attack and pass. Or so you get can just into, pull up right at the free throw line. And I think that's where Courtney could score a lot of mm-hmm. points because you're, you're going to have penetration, and if you can get that penetration towards. Uh, and have um, Hassan come from the weak side to block, you might have a wide-open Courtney Lee in the corner, baseline pass, bam, the, bam. Ham, the old hammer play. Bam. And, and and Courtney Lee could could get a few three-point buckets off of that, but they have to do that. They, ha- they cannot do what they did last time, which is go straight at Hassan no. and try to attack the basket that way. You have to throw some some different stuff yeah, at you them. You have to stick to your guns, but sometimes you, you, you can't just continue to do things that you know aren't working. So, I, knowing Clifford, they have to be much smarter. That's not even my key to the game, though, Justin. That, that seems like it would be the key to the game because of how they got taken advantage of in the last game. But you know what my key to the game is? Talk to me. The Hornets must get back in transition defense oh, be- for four quarters, especially when Whiteside is on the floor, really when the bench is out there when Whiteside is on the floor because Goran Dragic and... Hassan Whiteside have developed a recent affinity to running the floor and looking for the lob. The only way to stop those, you got to identify where Hassan Whiteside is, put a body on him, and whoever spots Goran, you got to go up to Dragic, get some ball pressure at half court. You get ball pressure at the three point line, it's already too late. They've already lobbed it. It's over. Already. Game over. You're done. 
Another thing, man. Cody has to stay out of foul trouble. He's never really... Mm, he has it at key. times, but he key. has to stay on the floor tonight. That's a good key. He has to stay on the floor tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. You you need all of your tools at your disposal in the second half. You can't... I think that's a good point. You can't have any of your bigs in a position where, oh, now all of a sudden you can't play them. It's funny. I know I mentioned like a week ago when we were first starting to talk about this game being important. I said, well, you know, Miami's dealing with a few injuries. Whiteside, Wade, Bosch, obviously. Bosch won't play in this game. But I said they're dealing with all of these injuries, and one of the the things that Spolstra did in the last matchup is pull Whiteside in and out, depending on the situation, and, and that allowed them a lot of flexibility. They could go small, they could go big, they could go something in between, just depending on whatever the situation is. And Spolstra... Is, is a great coach, and, and he's an X's and O's coach, and, and he knows what he's doing. And uh, I said, well, you know, maybe with these injuries they won't uh, have that opportunity, but now you look across the injury report and they are fully healthy. Not only that, but Dwayne Wade uh, missed I, – I think he played against the Nuggets on Monday, but he missed a few games, and so you know he's probably rested, ready to go. And understand this – and you understand this, Justin – they think the game is important too. Oh yeah. Like, this is not a like the the Hornets, you know, you assume all oh, Miami they've won championships, they've been through, you know, tough game after tough game. Oh, they know. But they're in a unique situation because they have done that, but they're also dealing with an injury to their best player. They also have a lot of young guys who have gotten really good minutes, really good experience, and they're on fire. They're like, oh my god! I mean, you got if you're Justice Winslow, I nailed it. I got it right. Yes, I knew you could do it. Uh, thank you. I knew you believed in me. And if you're Josh Richardson, you have to think. I just, I got into the league year one. We're a three seed. We we're going to the playoffs. I mean, that's amazing. Playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I'm what? telling you. So you know, they're on fire. They're ready to go. They're ready to prove something that this Miami team is. Um, in a, not even though it's in a transition period, uh, they've got the young talent to do this. So uh, th- that's why you know in, in 20 minutes when this thing tips off, we're we're in for a treat. I think. Oh, I I don't understand how people tell me you can't. They don't like the NBA, or you know people don't play hard in the NBA. I've watched a few of these uh, tournament games at work. This is not quality basketball. People are looking for the buzzer beater. <laughs> People are looking for the buzzer bit. I'm telling you, that's just a fact. And, and, you know, say what you want about college basketball. It's not a great game. It's definitely not. But, you know, when two bad teams play one another, then sometimes (laughs) you get, you know, 58-59. I ain't having that. I'm being told now, I'm sorry, tip is at 730. Excuse me. Miami with the weird tips. They're on the East Coast. We're on the same coast, Miami. They know. It's big time. They they know. It must be a tournament thing. You know, know. I'm kind of upset. It's, it is Thursday. If I'm not mistaken, why isn't this on TNT? Well, because t- TNT is doing the tournament. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm so doing, sorry about that. Turner's doing oh, the tournament. Oh, man. I forgot all Listen, about college that. Listen, ba- this is March, okay? College oh, basketball gosh. I gets, forgot all about that. Gets everything. Uh, I, know, oh. I know Carolina plays on TBS, though, at oh. 720. So I'm going to, you know, I will oh, you be. Know, you know the channel is my goes alma back and forth. Now, the channel, I, I, I got to find some way to get it, like, on a side screen. The main TV is going to be Hornets. And then I've got to find a, a side screen for to check in. North Carolina's going to handle Florida Gulf Coast, so you know 
We're gonna we're gonna be watching uh, some Hornets basketball tonight. I'm well. I've said the word excited probably eight to ten times, but I, I feel like people feel the same way. Like I feel like there are some Hornets fans that are excited. I feel I feel like fans are gonna get together, probably get a nice case of beer, sit down and 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 really enjoy this game. I I don't know about that. I think that. <laughs> I, I really think I so. I think that we have some hardcore Hornets fans out there that will definitely be watching the game. But I think you know, you know the nation's attention is uh, uh, solely on Wait, March Madness. We have to this bring point. this back again. Why? Why do we have this show? If well, I'm not listen, mistaken, we're, we're dedicated. This I understand. Show is I'm just. Dedicated. I live in reality. I live in the real world. I know I, some legit, really like hardcore Hornets fans. That's what I'm saying. But that, but that's that we're an exclusive club, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I so, think the mass majority of people are yeah, tuning you, in to you know, watch you know, that bad basketball. Buffalo State versus Nevada Technical College. Don't, I don't, I don't ask, the, don't ask me about that. Who's bad in the basketball? I don't, I don't know. Well, you don't know. All right, one last thing before we get out of here: single game Hornets playoff tickets go on sale Monday, March 21st at 10 o'clock a.m. Justin. If the Hornets host a playoff game, will that be the first playoff game you've covered in your career? Oh, uh, negative. Oh, I was okay. in the house for LeBron James. <laughs> I was in the house for Lebanon. Cool. Two games. Lebanon. Lebanon. You know, I remember that vividly because somebody stole my question that I had for LeBron James. Wait, wait. Someone stole your question? Yeah, I was sitting in the front row that day. I said, hey, man, listen to this question I have for LeBron. <laughs> Why did you catch a rookie I move? I didn't, you know, and, and I'm a I'm a nice guy, so I didn't think somebody was gonna like take it. You know, they say LeBron's open up for questions. You know, the Miami um, Heat people go first, and next thing you know, hey LeBron, I was wait, like, wait, hold on, Justin. I say no. Uh, wait, was it a Miami? Reporter that you told this oh, to? Oh no, it's a solid guy, local oh, okay, guy. Okay, we, 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 we don't want to name names. Don't name names. Oh, we won't, man. But I, oh, I, I still it, know I who he was, is. I thought it was a Miami. Uh, per, I was like, why would you tell the enemy your question for LeBron James? So, so this person was it like the first question? It was like within what, like the first four. Did they did they do it? And then look at you and like sort of a, like a, the way a Disney villain would like. No, like we were sitting right beside each other, like shoulder <laughs> to shoulder. So when he did it, I was ready to start pouting like a kid. I just got just, up and he just he just throws his notebook on your lap and goes, "Get better luck I next was time, rookie." Then, but I learned. I definitely learned. I definitely learned. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. So. We're good. We're good to go. Oh my God, that's a great story. That is a great story. It's not. That's an amazing story. Not an amazing story. What mm-hmm. was the question? The question was, um, gr- actually, I went to the the crutch word too. I was like, granted, oh no, LeBron, <laughs> don't, um, don't you guys, that. you guys swept the Hornets, but you know it was competitive to a degree. Um, what would you say about Charlotte's future going forward with Kimball Walker and Michael Kidd Gilchrist? The future question. And somebody snatched it. So boom, stole that almost, guy's question. And it was almost word for word when they took it. I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" I'm sure you know, rookie. You know that was your first playoff series. Uh, I'm sure you didn't, won't happen again. You didn't say anything afterwards. Right? Oh no, yeah. I'm, I'm a nice dude, man. I, I'm not. I'm not. I can confirm that. That's true. I ain't trying to start no trouble, man. All right, well, get your playoff game tickets and uh, and make sure don't ask Justin about what questions he's going to ask uh, during those playoff games. That'd be greatly appreciated. He won't tell you. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks to Chris for trying to come on. Sorry about the phone issues there. Chris Barnwall. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Barnwall, B-A-R-N-E-W-A-L-L. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for your live game updates and more. Listen to ESPN 7.30 a.m. anytime, anywhere at ESPN730.com. For Justin, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing. All hail the teal and purple.